Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey everyone, I'm Ian DeBorja and welcome to IMDb's Movies That Changed My Life. A podcast where your favorite stars break down the films that made them who they are today. This week's guest is actor and fellow podcaster Justin Long. You may know Justin from his roles in cult classic comedies like Galaxy Quest and Accepted, but you can now listen to him every week on his incredible podcast, Life is Short with Justin Long. Justin and I talk about the pressure of having to answer what your number one favorite movie of all time is, his Marty McFly mannerisms, and the three movies that changed his life. Once again, if you're enjoying the show, please be sure to give us a star rating and leave a review because every single one counts. Thanks to Milia X2 for the most recent five-star review. Thanks again for listening. Here's Movies That Changed My Life with Justin Long. Justin Long, welcome to Movies That Changed My Life. Um, I'm really glad we were able to reschedule you because uh, I know you lost power for a few days after the tropical storm that hit New York um, a few weeks ago. So uh, yeah, how, how are you doing? Oh yeah, you know... We actually just recently, I think, what was that, like two weeks ago, right? Uh, maybe yeah. three. So we uh, only about five or six days ago got a power back. Um, and it was it was really <laughs> it was so embarrassing because our, our generator had blown out. And um, we were one of the last houses to get power. And my neighbors were all like, yeah, we have ours back. And <laughs> and uh, I, I so we weren't for some reason. And I, and I called the electric company and I was like, you know, it's – it was frustrating enough because the generator that, you know, we pay for maintenance and stuff that had blown, but th- obviously that wasn't their fault. And I'm dealing with somebody at the electric company and they were like, uh, we're showing that this is weird. We're showing that that whole grid is lighting up and it should be back to normal. And I was like, well, it's not. And I was like, probably a little snarky. I'm embarrassed about. And, um, <laughs> and so then they said, well, we'll have somebody call you back. And like, I was like, please do, you know, this is for, it's been like over a week now. And, um, and so this guy, this really like gruff electrician guy calls back and he's like, yeah, you said your electricity is out. I was like, yes, it is. It has been. He's like, I'm showing that your, uh, your, your breakers, uh, malfunctioning at a, because of a blah, 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 blah. And I said, yeah, I don't know what you're saying. And he's like, there's, there's a pause. He goes, turn your breaker on. Oh no. <laughs> so I went down <laughs> on the break room in the, in the electrical room and sure enough, somebody had turned all of the breakers off and it was just like, and it reminded me so much, you'll, you'll appreciate this IMDb, uh, 
it reminded me of that moment in, in the cable guy, which is one of my favorite. <laughs> it's hard not to put the cable guy, but it reminded me of that moment where he goes back and just goes Ta-da! and turns on them. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? He's like, yeah. And he goes, what's the cut cord for? He goes, it's for effect. Um, it was so embarrassing. And he's like, I was like, oh, yeah, I was just literally turned on a switch. <laughs> so well, it's back. We're back. We're back. We're back in business. Yeah. That's great. Um, so did you have to rearrange some interviews for your podcast, Life is Short with Justin Long? Oh, wow. And, and, yeah. and back forward in that? Thank you. Know. you. That was really <laughs> nice. Uh, I didn't have to rearrange interviews for my podcast, Life is Short with Justin Long, because um, I don't know why, actually. It just worked out that we hadn't uh, – scheduled and he was sort of sort of lucky but this one of course we i'm glad we were scheduled because i yeah. was looking forward to talk to you i i i love talking about movies and yeah so life is short with justin long is on wondery it's out it's on tuesdays correct tuesdays and uh it's on wondery it's at apple you know wherever you get podcasts i guess Spotify, all, all the platforms, yeah. Yeah, and then for people who don't know, it's just, uh, you know, it's you're having long-form conversations just like this with, uh, you know, with people. Do you have any guests you'd like to plug coming up or anything like that? Um, who's coming up? Uh, oh, man, my favorite, um, Jake Johnson. Uh, I, I Jake was so fun. Uh, so that's coming out next. And, and then Carrie Brownstein, who I oh, love. Nice. Uh, oh, nice. Oh, Carrie's great, and that's... Um, yeah. If, if this show were about TV shows, I think Portlandia would be oh, one of my top three. I... Absolutely yeah. love that show. I mean, uh, yeah. what a show. I yeah. know. Oh, it was so fun talking to her about that too, because especially now with all the like cultural upheaval, um, just mm-hmm. imagining what that show would do with some of these things and, and how right. they, I, I it, like talking to her about it made me realize why I love that show so much. Just, just how right. insightful it was without having to do too much, you know, um, to shine a light on the absurdity of uh, a lot of our, behavior uh right so i know great so good um uh well i'm looking forward to those two episodes then another uh, reason i was excited about this is because i I, on on the podcast i've been doing my favorite question is is also one that people um it's it's difficult for me to ask because people often have like uh very um they they kind of have adverse reactions to it. And that is something as simple as what's your favorite movie? Like I, I like asking, I like exploring that. And, um, and people often get like a, a range from being offended by it. But I, so I, now I, I like tiptoe around it. I like ask it very gingerly and I, and I preface it by saying like, I mean, obviously you don't have one, but you know, in quarantine, maybe <laughs> a comfort movie or like, I, you know, I, right. I never know how to really address it. So when, do you have a most surprising uh, favorite movie pick of your guests uh, on your podcast that um, you were like, oh, like I didn't expect that. Oh God, what a good question. Yeah, um, um, well, I got very excited when, I mean, this is going to sound like self-involved, but when Judy Greer, <laughs> it, without thinking, she just said Tootsie, and I and I freaked out. I was like, yeah, yes, you know, like sometimes there are moments like that where I just really instantly. Movies are a thing that I value them so much that like. I I feel immediately closer to somebody when when they also, you know, when 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 they share a love of a particular movie, and um, I, I got so excited by that. Uh, but but yes, and now I'm forgetting. There have been some that are like, huh, um, <laughs> you know, whether it's an obscure movie or just one. The more surprising ones are the ones that are like uh, Jumanji, you know, and mm, right. Uh, that, but but then it becomes interesting. 
you know, unpacking why, and, and it usually has to do with like a very personal, like a childhood memory or something, um, right. which is fun to explore. And I, I think some of mine definitely involve that element, like nostalgia and, you know, reminding me of a nice time in my life. Awesome. So let's get into the movies that changed Justin Long's life. Do you want to start chronologically? We'll go from chronological release date, or do you have a, sure, no. a specific no, order? No, let's okay, do cool. That. Sweet. So yeah, let's jump into uh, Tootsie, which you t- discussed briefly. This is from 1982. Uh, it has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb with 94,000 ratings. Directed by Sidney Pollack, written by Don McGuire and Larry Gelbert. Uh, the screenplay is by Larry Gilbert and Murray Schall, starring Dustin Hoffman, Jessica Lange, Terry Gard, Dabney Coleman, Bill Murray. Um, so tell me about, about Tootsie. When was the first time you watched it? Well, Tootsie, I think I discovered later in my life. Um, and it was when I was like really falling in love with Dustin Hoffman. I think I'd already seen, you know, this was probably, this was in the nineties and I'd already seen like Rain Man and probably even Hook and some of his other, even Straw Dogs, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So I, t- Tootsie was like when I was, um, and I was and I was falling in love with the idea of being an actor, and, and I just loved that culture uh, of of like th- the theater actor who is. I, I was just so into that character and that story, and um, and and my relationship with that movie is like changed. Like I said, I watch it at least once a year, and I just find different reasons to marvel at it, and and. Um, I think that my favorite thing is probably just the script and the direction and, and how efficient it is, how every camera shot, every um, every word really helps push the story forward. And and, uh, and I, I, the music, I just, I so, I love it. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I'll rewind moments. There, there's a moment where just the timing, I mean, the timing between Charles Durning and Dustin Hoffman when he um he's giving him the ring back you know mm-hmm. or, or, or when Charles Durning is kissing his finger goes to kiss him his hand good night <laughs> and he pulls it away and Durning just kisses his own hand it's like it's great slap there, there, there are elements of like great Laurel and Hardy slapstick comedy and and then there's incredible romance so they're one of the most romantic movies um uh seeing his yearning for, for Jessica Lange underneath this like mask of, it's just, to me, like I said, I think it's, it's like a work of art. Uh, so you grew up in Connecticut, correct? Mm -hmm. Was there sort of like a fascination with, uh, especially I guess as you're deciding you wanted to become an actor, was there some sort of fascination with like getting to Manhattan and like being able to become like an actor, you know, similar to to the scene well, set in Tootsie. That's interesting you ask, Ian, because my mom was an actress, and um, yeah, I wonder if that has something to do with them. So my mom would my first experience with New York would was through that lens, like the struggling actress going, like you know uh, Terry Gar's character going from mm-hmm. these one audition to the next and getting really beaten down by the process. I. That to me was when I was a kid. The last thing I wanted to do was be an actor. Was there I, any sort of like romanticizing that you had? I no. mean, watching Tootsie, like you're like I'm, I'm going to live in that no apartment. No, none of that. Okay, no. I mean, what it was was a. Uh, I think I was able to, and because Dustin Hoffman's so good, uh, mm. I I think I saw that movie at a point where I was already 
wanting to do that. So this is after mm-hmm. high school and I probably had already been on the audition circuit in New York. So I think there was some identifying with his struggle. Um, mm-hmm. And, 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 but, but I think more than that, it was, it was the, well, it's funny. I mean, I don't want to like gloss over that. It's just fucking the, the, t- the timing uh, of some of those scenes and the, the, the way they're played. It's just, it's funny, but it's also, um, I think incredibly romantic uh, the way mm-hmm. he, he puts this woman on a pedestal and falls for her with this disguise on. And there's something really, uh, and they're obviously both so good. Mm-hmm. It's just such a complete journey. You know, it's such mm-hmm. a, it's such a great like story to, to follow. Um, but no, I don't think it was, Oh, that world is exciting in any way. Right. You know? And I think it's sort of like also romantic showing people's passion of wanting to become famous and wanting to follow their dreams or even in, um, in, a uh, in Michael Dorsey or, or Tootsie's case, like his, he's wanting to put on this a play, play, a play that right? he believes in. There's something about right. Michael Dorsey that like, yeah, he's, he is, um, you could call, he's, you could say he's pretentious. He's like, when he's got that conversation with Sidney Pollack, the agent, he says, <laughs> no one's gonna, uh, no one's gonna do it, Michael. Um, yeah, I, 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 that to me is, I, I think at the heart of the whole movie. Yeah, you're right. It's somebody's, somebody who has this passion that they can't express properly. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's not so much that he uh, wants to be famous even. Uh, yeah. it, being famous is just a means to an end, which is getting to do his art, his craft, you know. And it's, um, I, I, the character is so consistent. It, it, I like that at, at no point does he ever really get caught up in, oh, I'm famous mm-hmm. now. If anything, it's like a deterrent that like, oh, this ruse is like getting really deep. And, right. you know, what am I going to do now? I'm, I'm on the cover of magazines and stuff. And, and what if, um, what if ever people find out? Uh, it just is that, that I, I like that. It's not, I, I, I think if you made that movie now, because fame is such, um, uh, has become such a thing to aspire to and, and such a commodity unto itself, I think you'd have to, whoever made that movie now would probably lean into that a little bit more. Like, oh, mm. look at me. I'm on, you know, I've got all these followers. <laughs> and, right. Um, <laughs> but at the time, it's like that character is just really devoted to to acting. And it's and and, and I'm sure a lot of it is because I love acting and, and I kind of understand that that brain. Yeah, I mean, it, even at the, in the climax of the film, right, he you know, puts his fame of being this up and coming or star at the time on the line to make sure he does what's right, you know, by, uh, in, in that final episode, um, of oh, the sitcom, which, you know, I, mean, I, I like, I don't want to not to give anything away. If you haven't <laughs> seen it, you should definitely not listen to this because it is, it's one of the great <laughs> reveals in movie yeah. history. Like, I don't know how, and, and then, and I've always thought that, but like, again, since I started, having to learn a little bit about editing and mm-hmm. not learn, but just becoming more aware of um, those, the mechanics of putting a scene together. Uh, I started really like marveling at the shot selection and how all of the characters, even like Lynn Thigpen, who plays the, the um, producer, you know, the great Lynn Thigpen, who mm-hmm. unfortunately has passed away. Um, she just a cutaway to her and she's got the perfect line, perfect reaction. George Gaines, like, 
has built, they cut away to Bill Murray and he's got, well, what a wacky hospital. You know, that is one <laughs> wacky hospital. It's like everyone gets their moment. Charles Durning sees it and he's like, oh my God, this woman I'm attracted to. It's so rich. Like every character is, is so um, richly involved in, in, in that the stakes are so high for so many people. And, uh, and if they're not high, they're still entertaining, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, even for Bill Murray's character. So you, you, it, it's it, just when like things have gotten heavy and like you cut to Charles Durning and he's like, Oh my, he's having this like crashing realization. And certainly Jessica Lang, this person that I like trusted and, and is now like has, has, has lied to me. And then you cut to somebody like who has less, less at stake. And it's like, it lets the audience breathe and laugh a little bit. It's just like, it's perfect. It's perfect. All right. So that was Tootsie. Uh, if you haven't seen it, please go watch from 1982. Let's move on to your second pick. Uh, this is 1985's Back to the Future. It has 8.5 out of 10 with 1.02 million ratings on IMDb. Uh, directed by Robert Zemeckis, written by Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale, starring Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Leah Thompson, Crispin Glover. Um, the story is about Marty McFly, a 17-year-old student. It's funny to uh, have to say that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you've, you've talked about this movie before as like being very important to you. Um, but for those who haven't heard it, uh, well, why don't you dive into that? I know it, it, it sparks so many things, like important things in your life. Yeah, God, you know, it's funny. You know when somebody says like, how are you doing? Or uh, what's, what's been going on? It's like, oh, man, where do I begin? I, that's what it feels like to be like, well, talk about back. To, why is back to the future important? It feels like such an open-ended question. But I... I, uh, I I think I should start with just the impact it had when I was a kid, mm-hmm. um, and I I remember and my memory is so bad, but I do have I, I remember clearly seeing that movie for the first time at the Fairfield Community Theater, and I was like I I, I had I remember the feeling of being so thoroughly entertained, like there was something exciting about it that an excitement that I hadn't really experience from a movie before um and 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 uh and and i revered marty mcfly i just thought he was the coolest i i to this day i think like you know i know some people grew up in depending on when you grew up in different times i'm sure there are people who would say well justin bieber or marlon brando (laughs) or you know uh, these guys were cool the epitome of cool um but to me marty mcfly is and I think will probably forever be the epitome of, of cool. He was uh, just he invented so, skateboarding, skateboarding the way, <laughs> but the way he skateboarded was so like, he wasn't right. braggy. He wasn't showing off. He was like reluctant. He was like reluctantly saving the day. Uh, Leah Thompson was so charming and beautiful. And she was like in love. Hey, forget that it was his mom. Uh, that, <laughs> that wasn't troubling to me at the time. Um, <laughs> I had it. I didn't really like understand the Oedipal implications, right? At the time, but um, I just thought it was like so cool. My friends won't watch it with me anymore because it's like <laughs> I annoy them too much. Um, it's just obnoxious. But like now, you know, it, again, like having a newfound appreciation for movies, having been in the, the business of movies for a while, I just every time I watch it, I, I I marvel at something new. And and I remember recently seeing it, and and like. I was amazed by the opening credits, you know, mm-hmm. how much information they get out, Yes, how much expositions that the, the setup that like is usually done in like, let's face it, kind of a, a, a boring or, or, or a, like a, 
a sub, uh, like less than the, it's not the exciting part of most movies. The, it's not mm-hmm. an interesting part. They take care of so much exposition during that crawl, during that tracking shot of uh, the, house. Dot, the house. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, they, they, yeah. The plutonium is stolen. There's the there's the news the newspaper newspaper. The uh, there's a newscast that they're talking about it. There's you you see that he hasn't been there in a long time. You see that he's this wacky inventor that makes these cool things that don't really work. And you, there's so much. So by the time you meet um, Doc uh, Doc, yeah, he was <laughs> Marty Mc, Michael J. Fox was such an influence on me as a kid. I, I like. I, I, I just held him up so much that I, I still, I think like some of his mannerisms and, you know, his <laughs> cadences, are, are you telling me, I mean, there are times where I can like hear, ah, uh, yeah, Doc, Doc, are you telling me my mom has got the hots for me? Yeah. <laughs> You're so thin, you know, like, it's funny that I can hear it if I step out of myself a little bit. Um yeah, he was huge for me. Yeah, I mean, he. I agree. He is the coolest, probably the coolest movie character of all time. Um, I know it's funny you were talking about like you understand now that you've got to, uh, you know, you're working on your current film uh, with your brother. That you understand sort of movies and like this. You're listening to it at, like a screenplay and like process level. And I, I, I've said this before, but I think Back to the Future is like one of the most, if not the most, efficient screenplay. Oh my god. There is not, not like, an ounce of fat on that. There's not an ounce of fat on it. I mean, yeah. it, every minute matters. Every prop matters. Every scene matters. It's just unbelievably clean. Yes. Um, yes. And holds up. Like, there's not, you know, a lot of obviously like 80s, uh, particularly I think 80s movies, you know, you kind of get hit with the nostalgia and you give passes to some sort of like goofiness there. But Back to the Future, there is basically none of that, I, I think. The- I, 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 I'm always curious, like what friends, um, friends of mine who have kids, when they show their kids that movie, I'm, I'm so always so curious about their reaction because I just, it's hard for me to judge it with my, you know, my brain is, it was, it, it formed a long time ago during it, you know, and to, so to me, I just wonder if I just can't get out of my own uh, way when it comes to like acknowledging that like. Yeah, those are because I remember sometimes like I'd see movies with my dad and 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 he'd be like, "Oh, it still holds up," you know. And it was like, right. "No, it doesn't." Like that <laughs> that version of like Lon Chaney's Wolfman or whatever is like, "No, it's not as good as the American Werewolf in, in right. London." But but um, and now I look at those movies that I thought like, "God, these effects are so good," and you know, and and sometimes they feel a, a, a little a little dated. Um, but I wonder about Back to the Future, like if that's yeah. if, if people have that, if people with kids have have that experience where the kids are like boring. I hope not. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, so before we move on from this, I do want to say, and, and you kind of talked about the way you described Marty McFly about uh, sort of his 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 charm as like sort of the everyman, but he's still cool. Uh, when I saw you pick this, and I know you've talked about it a lot, uh, your character of Justin in Dodgeball. Albeit much nerdier than Marty McFly. Thank you. <laughs> there is the same energy, though, of his ah. his like his like uh, his, the way his charisma develops over dodgeball. Obviously, until the end of the, of the final 
you know, in the playoffs or in the championship. Uh-huh. There is like a, I, I feel like a similarity there. And then now that you said you sort of pick up on the Marty McFly isms in your own self, I see that now oh, in Justin a little that bit. That might be one of the nicest things anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know where I see it a lot is um, the uh, accepted, the movie accepted. Mm, because yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Because he was, I was, I, I like, you just have to, you know, you steal from the best. And to me, he, there's no better leading man than Michael J. Fox. And, and, um, and I, I watched so much of his work that I just, um, yeah, I'm sure it's snuck in there and he, uh, I mean, always he'll be, you know, he'll be my uh, hero to me. Yeah. I, well, well deserved yeah. uh, character and person, I think, to yeah. to be on, on mm-hmm. that mantle for you. Um, I, you know, I worked with him briefly, and, and um, it was such a thrill. And I, I, I waited to the last day. I was shooting with him to like really gush, and uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, I, I'm sure, I, I'm sure it snuck out a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to play it back, cool, but um, I, you're wearing like a Back to the Future shirt the first oh, day of shoot. Am I? Uh, it's not a vest. Um, it's not a life preserver. Uh, and I like doing that. I, I I did that with Christopher Lloyd too. I really annoyed him. He did an episode of a TV show I was on, and I I, I, I didn't play it as cool with Christopher Lloyd. And, and <laughs> I just remember at one point him getting frustrated and going, oh, "I don't remember what the line was. A jig of water. Oh, I don't remember the line." Because uh, yeah, I was just like peppering him with. But um, I I didn't want. I wanted to. Part of me playing it cool with Michael J. Fox is I didn't want him to sign a Back to the Future poster because I, I feel like everyone's probably asked him to do that. So I, I, I got a uh, a Secret of My Success poster, which I also love, mm. and um, mm-hmm. he signed that. And, and and it was such I was so like giddy when he was like, oh, you know, no one, yeah, you don't usually sign these, you know. Uh, I was like, yes, he thinks I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll remember forever oh, that yeah. Justin this Long be a had his moment for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, before we move on, that is, you brought that up. Uh, I mean, you worked with Leah Thompson too. You oh, literally man. play her son. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, in literally right before Aaron. Um, so, I mean, you've had her on your podcast also, but was there some sort of like getting over the hump of like, holy crap, I'm like kind of Marty uh, McFly right now? <laughs> it was. Um, uh, I had to just tell her. I she Leah's so cool that I was like, <laughs> I have to in case it comes out in a weird nerdy way that like I I need her to know. I can't like work with this person and not have them know what a huge part of my like child childhood they were. And um <laughs> and and really like and I meant this. I it wasn't flattery, but I felt very self conscious about somebody as young and and beautiful as Leah playing my mom it felt like mm-hmm. i kept referencing it i kept saying it uh, hopefully in a non-creepy way but i was like this is weird casting to me and it made me self-conscious mm-hmm. about you know whatever and she was very she was really sweet about it and, and and seemed like really happy to be there and very professional that all that but um yeah i i i even roped her in on the podcast i roped her into doing a scene I just like out of out of the blue was like, um, so uh, under your chair you'll see a scene from when Marty wakes up in Lorraine's bedroom, and I thought maybe we could do it. Uh, and she, I'll tell you, there's no cool way unless you're Marty McFly to transition into that. Asking, Leah. I, I realize I remember like playing Monday Morning Quarterback on that one and being like, is would there have been a 
more like a smoother way to bring that up. And <laughs> <laughs> folks who are listening to this, uh, if you ever run into Justin on the street, I think you're giving them free right to come up and gush about any scene no. they want with you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. If anything I've done is in any way uh, comparable to, it's hard for me to believe, but of course I'd be flattered. No, I mean, Ga- I mean, Galaxy Quest is a massively important movie to so many Galaxy people, right? Quest like, really, yeah, that's, I, that would have luck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard very, people have said very nice things about that and, and uh, yeah, very nice. Yeah. And, and, and that to me is like, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I don't have, whenever people compliment that movie, I have so little sense of ownership over it. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it was like, oh my God, what an incredible experience, obviously. And, and this unique, I, I flew to LA. When I think of that movie, I think of like flying across the country and staying in a hotel for the first, you know, things like that, like more like coming of age stuff. And, 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 and friend becoming friends with Sam and, and, uh, and Alan Rickman and like meeting these people. And, but I have no sense of, like, I, in other words, like I don't take on a compliment about galaxy quest. I don't take that on board at all. Like to me, I was mm. like very lucky to be a piece of that, um, that movie to me. It's like, Oh no, no, I should be the one, <laughs> you know, I should be thanking you or anyone for watching it. And I'm just grateful to, in it. You also tease Lady of the Manor, um, which is an upcoming film that you are directing. Uh, it's on IMDb right now um, as an upcoming film uh, and with uh, Melanie that's Linsky. Cool. That's, that's how much I like IMDb. That's just like, <laughs> that just provokes the little the movie nerd in me. That's cool that it's already on IMDb. I, yeah, it's on there. The best part is we, um, yeah, Melanie Linsky and Judy Greer are the, mm-hmm. the leads and we got so, I mean, like, I... I'm going to get emotional, like talking about the performances. <laughs> They're so good. And w- and when you work so hard on something and you kind of like give it over to somebody else, it's like part of it is just, uh, you know, re- releasing some control uh, uh, over it or all control really and, and giving it to the actors. To, and um, I never really had that experience. I, didn't, I never knew what that was like. And it was, uh, it's very <laughs> You feel like very vulnerable. The, the stakes are so high, and and so I just am so I'll be forever grateful to those two actresses who whom I always really admired. I always liked them. I had worked with well both of them really, but um, mm-hmm. what they did with these characters was just like uh, something that my brother and I weren't expecting, and and it was it, they elevated it uh, to a very. And, and they're going to make us look good, you know, because they were <laughs> just really beautiful performances. But um, uh, yeah, we're we're excited about it. It's it's low budget. It's a million dollar movie, so you know there, you know there's certain uh, we had some restrictions, <laughs> and um, but uh, we're very we're happy with it and proud of it and excited. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, Lady of the Manor. Folks want to follow it on IMDb so they can keep tabs uh, yeah. as, as to when it's going to come up. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Delve into the shadows of the mind 
with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Well, let's go to the last pick of yours. Uh, this is 1987's Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, it is a 7.6 out of 10 with 118,000 reviews on IMDb, written and directed by uh, the legendary John Hughes, yeah. starring Steve Martin uh, and John Candy. The plot is a man must struggle to travel home for Thanksgiving with a lovable oaf of a shower curtain ring salesman as his only companion. Talked about this a little bit, um, uh, about how you watch this, like a Thanksgiving family watch. Yeah. Uh, when was the first time you watched this? Was it with your family? Like, well, was that always it, from the start of it? I, th- I think so because it was um, when, whenever they, when they started letting us watch uh, R-rated movies, because that movie's rated R. Uh, so watching it with them was like, I'm sure that was it, when I first saw it, that was part of like what was exciting about it. And sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Getting to wow, there's cursing, and you know, there was that. Was it like right then and there you were like, this is the greatest comedy? I've ever seen no, in my life. No, not at all. Okay. In fact, back then it was, um, you know, this was, it would have been around the time it came out. So mm-hmm. let's see, what was I into? I mean, besides Michael J. Fox movies, I was, <laughs> I was still watching, you know, I was watching Looney. I was really into Laurel and Hardy, um, uh-huh. Monty Python movies like that. So I, yeah. I thought it was funny, um, but I don't remember thinking, oh, this is the greatest. Like I, you know, to me, a Laurel and Hardy movie was was still funnier. I, I don't think I'd ever – I don't think I'd like cultivated like a real sense of um, – I just think I was too young for it too. I mean a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff is like – I think in order to like – in order to you relate – You have to kind of experience these adult situations a little I bit. I think so. Yeah, I yeah. Think so. It's hard for me to remember but – so I, when did it become that like movie for you then? Mm, was it just over time you kind of yeah. realized like, holy, you know, yeah. yeah. And it got to the point in where like I would be watching it um, and I, and I found myself getting like really emotional, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd be, I realized uh, it had, I, I was, I was experiencing it on a much different, on like different, like more, I guess, adult levels where I was, yeah. um, I was really involved with John Candy's storyline and, and, and it was fun. It became funnier to me over the years. It became more relatable. Uh, right. But like, so Del Griffith, I mean like, yes, Del Griffith doesn't get better than that. Um, yeah. Played but, by the great John Candy. Oh God. Who, you know, I think, I think about like, I- I'm not a big like awards guy or like who's going to win mm-hmm. awards this year. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I just, so I don't even know why I bring this up, but I, I think about it a lot when I think about John Candy in that movie, which is like, I, I, I think it's, it's crazy that he didn't win an Oscar for that, <laughs> for that movie. That to me, that actually to me sums up why I, I guess I don't put much stock in, in awards because you can have a performance like that, you know, like John Candy in that movie is, is that to me, that's, it's up there with the Daniel Day Lewis. It's up there with one the, the greatest performances mm-hmm. in in um, in movies, and and 
and and funny, yeah, but like it's it's the heart that he so much heart. It's oh, so man, it's so pure. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, he's such an innocent. He's such a, which is why I whenever I hear stories about John Candy, where like people talk about how what a sweet like just a good person he was. You know, you mm-hmm. I've I've heard stories about him that are just like oh he spent time with me and he like. He was a giving, by all by all accounts, like a generous person. Um, I'm never surprised because that I don't know if you can be anything else and give a performance like that. To me, it's mm. it's I, I I that to me is just pure heart on screen. Like he um, that it, there's the, the compassion and and the the sense of pain and the, the kindness that that he is able to project. There's it's some of the most um, moving acting uh and and the combination of with john hughes direction and and the and and the and the score that kind of like synth ding, ding, yeah i wrote i wrote down john hughes scores are always great oh <laughs> it, it, it they just met it's they pair so beautifully with um the the the, the scene that that scene and steve martin opening the door dal come on inside you know and he invites him mm-hmm. in and then it cuts to them on the bed drinking those little bottles and it's warm and it's, it's just pure friendship between them and they're drunk and they're just like talking about the women from their past and, and they're laughing with each other. And it, it's like, I, I, it doesn't get better than that. It's always like just writing that fine, fine line between profound and moving and, and then schmaltzy and like over the, t- you know, um, mm-hmm. manipulative, uh, mm-hmm. And it's Manipulative, just, and, and to, to to ride that line the way John Hughes does is like, I, I know I keep saying this, but to me that's a work of art. That's like a work of genius. You know, I always think it's, it's just since we're on John Candy. I mean, when I was watching this, I just was thinking like, imagine if he, you know, if he was still around. If we, you uh, know, I think the comedy world and the film world were like blessed enough to still have him here. Yeah. I mean, I I get like chills thinking about what he could have done as like an elder statesman in comedy, like, you know, whether it's getting involved with like the Farrell and and Vince Vaughn and, Uh, you know, crew or even now with like, uh, you know, the modern takes, like even like the Broad City things. Like I I could see his 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 humor and like popping up as influence and being like a part of like raising the continuing to raise the bar and support like young comedians um, it, it's it's so sad to think about. I, I don't deify John Candy or like I don't revere him the way I do because he like left er, too early. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, right, I, right. I've, I've always like I've gone through a relationship with him and that movie since the, t- the time I saw it. Like those other two movies, um, maybe even more so because I that movie to me is about um, we watch it every Thanksgiving and mm. so it it has such great. Um, you know, like familial connotations and like it, it's a lot of great family nostalgia and, and um, reminds me of that being together. Um, but, but it also, uh, it, I, I, I'm, I'm continuously like moved by the message of um, this, this, this guy needing uh, some people not having that and, and um, how important that is to, to, you know, to, to convey to people, to uh, people, especially like privileged people like myself. Mm. Um, it is just such a beautiful story and relationship between the two of them. And, and like I said, I, I love odd couple comedies and the, like you can't have John Candy can't do what he does in that uh, without 
Steve Martin, um, right. Who, who playing is, the perfect uh, grump grump right? and like, and like frustrated guy. And yeah. yeah. And like the last time I saw it, I was like, I, and, and, and you can commiserate with him. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not as totally. Though, he's, he's trying to get home, he's trying to get <laughs> yeah. home. His, yeah. his, what his kids, there's such a warm environment that's waiting for him and he's being, and John Candy then, that's the other brilliant thing. It's like, he does do these really annoying things. It's like, <laughs> you know, he takes his socks off and wafts them around in front of, yeah. and like, it, it, he, he does genuinely things that, you know, people who travel can relate to as being annoying. Um, and he's like a little, t- he wants to chat when like, you know, you get on a plane and all you want to yeah. do is just like, oh, dude. And he's like, so what? So uh, I love the way, one of my favorite part, my moments is when he goes, um, <laughs> he goes, he, Steve Martin clearly doesn't want to talk. And right. he's not being overtly rude. He's just like giving the social signals that like, you know, one word answers and like polite, but but not friendly. And, um, and John Candy is like, a f- bowl in a china sheet. He's 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 not picking up any of them, and he's he just goes. Um, <laughs> there's like kind of a lull in the conversation. It's clear Steve Martin's like in his own world. <laughs> John Candy just goes, Del Griffith, and and John Candy or Steve Martin shakes his hand. And he goes, and you are. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that to me sums up the brilliance of that, and he like. Because then Steve Martin has to say, well, right. Neil Page. He's cornered him at that point. He's cornered <laughs> him. And like, and John Candy, once he gets the name, he goes, watch it again. He goes, he goes, Neil Page, pleased to meet you, Neil Page. And it's this, it, it's, it, it's just it's so, such a perfect example of on uh, what different pages they're both on. You know, it's like, it, they're, they're no jokes. It's not like. You watch a couple of comedies now and it's like it's filled with jokes and like mm, mm-hmm. um, and this is just John Hughes is so confident in the I, I guess how they're his actors, but also the relatability of that situation. And it's subtle, but it's so clear that Steve Martin just wants to put on his headphones if he had them, just wants to read his thing. And John Candy wants a friend. And the combination of that, of that, th- th- them wanting such different things is – he gets so much comedy out of that. And then later he gets like humanity out of it. He, right. Like an exploration of uh, – uh, uh, you know. The montage uh, when they finally separate ways and, and, and Steve Martin gets mm. home on his train. And the montage when he f- realizes that John Candy, uh. Uh, his, his – or Del Griffith's wife is actually dead. Uh, it starts off like so goofy, uh, like yeah. you know, and then it just, and then he goes back and he realizes all like little senses, and uh, like the payoff there is is so good. You know, they don't like they don't draw out them being like a pair for like over half the movie or, or even the last act of the movie. It's literally the last yeah. five ten minutes. I wish you could see me. I wish this were filmed because I'm literally I'm getting chills. My my <laughs> hair is standing up on because it's so it's so good. It's so masterfully done. And you're right. It goes from like. He's like, oh, yay, I'm going home and like thoughts yeah. about his family and yeah. goofy thoughts about – you're right. It goes from like, oh, I remember when, when we woke up in bed together and like right. goofy things and, and silly things. And then he's – I forget what it is that like, kind of like triggers a moment in Steve Martin where it's so, like – Where he's, he says uh, – John Candy I says, I haven't been home in years. Yeah. 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 What? Yeah. For, what? Oh. Like seriously? And he goes, no, yeah. no. It's a figure of speech. I – yeah. And he catches himself. Oh man. So oh good. man. I yeah, again, that's I I like there are 
I think I can watch that so many times because I, I get something different every time I, there's something I discover every time. Um, and, and I just, I just marvel. Is there something like as a, as a comedian or as someone who works in comedy films, like, is there something you learned from these three movies that you think as a, or as an actor, I should say, sorry, that, that stick out to you? Do you think that has influenced you? I've talked to a bunch of actors. I, I was just talking to Joel McHale about this, about, um, he had that experience on community, which is uh, mm-hmm. there was so much dialogue to get out. And oftentimes dialogue that is not all that naturalistic, like not necessarily the way people talk. And he, we both like um, we were talking about how it took us a while to understand that a lot of it is just speed. I know that sounds, I know to reduce it to that is like probably <laughs> <laughs> really like insulting to a lot of actors, but, but I, I, I had this revelation where it's like, oh yeah, you want to like get through it's timing and it's speed. And it's, and I, if all of those movies, Tootsie and uh, back to the future, planes, trains, as much as I love improvising um, what those actors do in that is they really respect the script and, uh, and the story. And, and I think if I did learn anything from that, I'll eventually, it's that um, it's to really respect uh, the script and the timing mm. and and um, and some of my favorite moments of that uh, of that those movies are just the back and forths and and the, the timing and, the, and so few of them are indulgent you know and and all of those movies have that in common I, I but they were also they were also br- brilliant scripts you know. Well, Justin, this was an awesome conversation. I'm glad we got to. It's great. It's so fun. Yeah, thanks, Ian. And uh, folks, for listening, don't forget to check out Life is Short with Justin Long. Uh, It's on Wondery or Apple Podcasts or Google or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, Justin, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Ian. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to head over to imdb.com slash podcasts for more content on Justin and to easily add the movies that changed his life to your IMDb watch list. 